robot statues, a sexy sloth, and a teenage romance in space, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Booterverse. We have a very special guest with us today. Sci-fi author Andrea Perno is with us to discuss her latest writings. Judy Scheinbaum answers her questions. And of course, we have a Booter thought for you, all on episode 37 of the Booterverse. Hey everybody, Marsha Houlihan here for TV Trades. Mishawaka, Wisconsin only eats their dinners on one thing, and that's TV Trades. And now for news in my orbit. Since being responsible for one of the more memorable moments in civic statuary, the mayor of Ankara, Turkey, is now facing damning accusations that he is, in fact, a Decepticon. He recently blew his city's budget faster than a teen boy in a gentleman's club, and he spent it all on a 20-foot statue of a metal robot. At first, it seemed mostly innocuous, like a sweet homage to the Rock'em Sock'em robots or a slightly misguided mashup of a Cylon and a Spartan from the movie 300. But when some people began to complain, the mayor replied only, respect the robot, and things began to get tense. One man said he was initially just a bit disappointed that the statue didn't move, but now things had gotten weird. Suddenly it seemed a bit creepy that the mayor's dog is named Megatron and that the statue is but the first of a planned series of at least 20. Although this certainly hasn't made the Turkish military very happy, the mayor was quite pleased to learn he had cornered the teen fanboy vote. That is at least until he realized teenagers can't vote. Could it be all innocent, however? While the Turkish authorities are looking for any evidence of a more sinister plot, we here at the Booterverse believe that when it comes to large robot statues, there's more than meets the eye. From statues to mannequins, after getting into a hairy situation with their mannequins recently, American Apparel has decided to go full fur with their new spokesmodel. Gone are the days of anorexic hipsters with downstairs grooming issues. Instead of tapping into the human's animal nature, they decided to just go for an animal. Buttercup, the sexiest sloth going, is set to be the new face of the clothing brand. The company admitted to being a bit confused over the recent fur flap, saying that with beards and all, they just weren't sure anymore where it was acceptable to have hair and where it was not. Nonetheless, people do seem to like an occasional bit of shrubbery, so they hedged their bets. Think a sloth seems a bit weird? Not really, when you think what animal would better showcase clothing from the sloth's natural habitat of Brooklyn. But Buttercup isn't just another hanger-on. Sure, she might move a little slow, but that's what makes her easy to photograph. We prefer to think sultry, not sluggish, American Apparel said. The way she just lounges there. It makes a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model look about as relaxed as a middle schooler in a locker room. But is the label worried people might feel a bit awkward about finding a sloth sexy? Not at all. They have made a fortune off a demographic willing to sleep with lumber sexuals, so this doesn't really seem like much of a stretch at all. And she's right on par with the personality of most models anyway, counting sunbathing and eating hibiscus blossoms among her passions. To sweeten the deal, the ads, which will debut soon, promise to unveil a shocking surprise about Buttercup, 
let's just hope it's not a spoke sloth in disco pants. From sloths to San Diego, a San Diego college student is reportedly being treated for serious depression after he was found unresponsive in his apartment, surrounded by bags of unopened snack foods and dozens of full cans of soda. Friends became concerned after he hadn't been heard of in days and were shocked to find out how neat his living room actually was. Usually, they said, it's littered with empty Funyun bags and piles of Fanta cans. They knew instantly that something was wrong when it looked like they had walked into a Costco warehouse. The man, identified only as Bill, was taken to a local hospital where he eventually told mental health workers that he planned to spend his spring break binge watching Freaks and Geeks on Netflix, but was stunned to find out it had only 18 episodes. I barely got through three bags of Doritos, he lamented. What am I supposed to do with that? That's less than 13 hours, and I had no fallback plan. The thought of spending the rest of his week going out somewhere or even taking a few naps was, in his words, too oppressive to contemplate. So he just sat there on his couch and lapsed into a funk. Now Bill says he plans to drop out of his program in marketing and spend all his time lobbying for clear labeling of all online shows with fewer than three seasons. He is being treated with antidepressants and the TV show Lost. We do hope he makes a full recovery, and we hear that he is receiving counseling that is hoped to help him stay clear of TV shows like Firefly and the British version of The Office. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Buddha. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Thumbtacks. Thumbtacks, what better to put on your teacher's chair than a good old thumbtack? Buddha. And now for a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy Scheinbaum, you're on the Buddhaverse. Oh, hello, Emery. It's so good to be back. I don't even know what episode this is, but it is lovely. Andrea Perno, you are a lovely woman. I love that dress. Sweetie, you have some questions for me. Shoot. Where are you from, Judy? You know, that's a great question a lot of people ask, as if they couldn't tell by my lovely New York accent. I'm from Long Island originally, but I live in the city. What do you like best about Long Island? It's long and it's an island. <laughs> a lot of people who live there, they're very normal people, working class folk, lovely. I love them. All right. Um, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? You know, I've always wanted to go to Timbuktu. I hear they have some lovely, lovely animals there, and I like riding horses. Uh, I mean, I've never actually been on a horse, but I think it would be nice, and I think I'd like to ride a horse in Timbuktu. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. Hmm. Exciting. Um, what do you like to do in your free time? The Andrea, have you been spying on me or talking to my daughter? <laughs> no. Okay, good. Um, I quit smoking a while ago, and you know, it's a struggle every day. So in my free time, I, I try to keep the nicotine at bay. Um, you know, but I will say, sometimes in my free time, I go down to Nathan's, I get a hot dog, it's nice, you know, get to see the people, the meander, see the tourists, they're lovely. What would be your best piece of advice for anybody traveling to Long Island? Bug spray. <laughs> How bad are the bugs if you <laughs> that's your piece of advice? I don't want to talk about it, but if I had to, you know garbage trucks, we've got beetles the size of those. <laughs> Sometimes they can even fly. They're very detrimental. Sometimes one time it cracked a windshield that was so big. Oh, wow. <laughs> um if you had one piece of advice for kids growing up to be up today, what would it be? 
Oh my, that's a very deep question. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, always wear clean underwear um, because you never know. I mean, there are accidents and there are other things that happen and y you always have to be prepared. Secondly, I would tell them, you know, sugar is okay. Don't lay off of it. In fact, you know, eat as much sweets as you want. Look, and I'm, I'm, health and wellness is my middle name. So, you know, sugar has impacted me not one bit. <laughs> Sounds great. Oh, it was, it tastes great too. <laughs> so, Andrea, do you have any other questions? Um... No, I think I think that's all my questions. Oh, well, my dear, you have been an absolute gem. Thank you so much for being on a segment. And I love you all. <laughs> we'll be right back, right after this. That's right. Glenn McDougal here for Fins. Fins, they're like the dwarves of trees. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Booterverse. This is the first in a series of interviews from the Lexicon Gaming Convention. We are so glad that you're joining us. We have with us Andrea Perno. Andrea, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Of course, it's exciting for me. I guess it's exciting for you. This is wonderful. Now you, madam, have a claim to fame because you are an author. Yes. What kind of books do you write? All exclusively science fiction right now. Now, can we say science fiction slash teen slash romance? Yes. They both, they, well, for one of them, yes, teen romance. For yes. the other one, mm. adults, not teen. <laughs> mm. Oh, is it, is it a little R-rated? Yes, very R-rated. Oh my. <laughs> Are aliens doing naughty things? I can't give any spoilers away. No to spoilers. That to that regard. We could have so many spoiler alerts. I could just yes. say spoiler alert. But no, you, no spoilers. No spoilers for mm. that one. Well, you have a very wide range of writing. Um, you're known for two, two books, uh, primarily The Last Drop and Remotely Unplugged. The Last Drop is 453 pages. Is this long for a sci-fi book? Yes. Um, well... Yes and no. Most publishers, when you're looking, when I first started querying publishers, wanted something that was between 70,000 to like 80,000 words, which is a much smaller book than like what Michael Crichton writes and what Stephen King writes. You mean what their, their lackeys write? <laughs> yes. I mean, I didn't love the King, love the Crichton. I'm just saying, when was the last time you guys wrote a book? Come on. That's true. Come on. It's been a while. It's been a little while. We need you. Yeah. But when you're that famous. Right. You know. Well, how can we get you to be that famous? That's the question. You tell me. <laughs> well, on the podcast, I mean, obviously, there is a bit of a booter bump when you're on the yes. show. You know, people will start looking at your books and they'll say, wow, this is sci-fi artistry at its best. Now, speaking of artistry, do you think that I could personally be the next Fabio of sci-fi novels? With the look? Oh, yes. yeah, like on the, on the, the back, cover? the back cover look, yes. Ooh, now the back, not the front? No, uh, I would have to be relegated they, to the always, back? They're always on the back cover. Your pictures are always on the back. But I mean, if I could be part of the artwork on oh. the cover art. Yes. Yeah, don't you think I could yes. like be riding a stallion <laughs> or perhaps a falcon or well, maybe yes. a pterodactyl? Pull the main character off perfectly. Yes, I think <laughs> I think my look and the quaff of my hair truly resembles and exemplifies most sci-fi characters. Yes. I mean, James T. Kirk wishes he had this hair. I would put you medieval, too. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Would I be medieval, wearing, like, a scabbard? Maybe. Mm. Possibly. Perhaps a, a royal royal garb. The cloak. Yes. Cloak. Cloak and dagger. <laughs> I like it. But your novels aren't cloak and dagger, are no. they? They're pretty, They're pretty. you know, um, up front. Yes. They're very... Well, the last drop is it takes place on Earth initially and then travels to a completely different planet in space. So it's 
um, very universal in terms of um, it's kind of like Star Trek. Well, and it's been said that this is actually, uh, The Last Drop is actually a book that could in some way mirror what might happen or situation right. we might face in reality. Right. And I wanted it to kind of be something that could not too far fetched from what our future existence could be, because I feel like that grabs readers, the credibility of having a science fiction theme that could actually happen and is relatable to multiple readers, I feel like is more, um, sometimes more powerful. Is that where you start your books? With an idea that like could potentially happen in reality? Um, I would say that the last drop kind of fell on me. Literally. Um, the literally. drop fell yeah. on you. Yeah. Um, so I was working in, I work as a full-time art teacher in Baltimore City. Lovely. And um, I was teaching fifth grade at the time. And the building is an old rehabbed um, factory style building that basically they put classrooms into. It's really nice, but it's, it's very old. Um, it doesn't have um, working water fountains or anything like that. So No of, working water fountains. No working water. Well, not that you would want to drink out of. Right. For sure. I mean, I would have thought maybe um, it's so old they were segregated water fountains. No. But no, they just don't work. No. They just don't work. Mm. Um, all of the pipes are lead, so you wouldn't want to drink out no, of them No, anyway. definitely. Why? Is that is that a problem? Yeah, well, le- yeah, lead poisoning. Oh, is that, is that bad? <laughs> you don't want to go, don't want to go that route. No, I was thinking that maybe we could do sort of like a, an X-Men sort of offshoot via the lead in the drinking fountains. Would Possibly. that happen? It, I don't know. Could you write about that? Could, could you make that happen? That. I could make that happen, yes. Oh, boy. Make a universe where children get lead poisoning and have fantastic um, superpowers. Could we call it the last, last drop? You know, what's really funny about that, um, it's really hard to write another book. Like, because this is a part of also a Also trilo- known as a sequel, correct? Yes, it's part of a trilogy. Where, where do you go from the last drop to the second title of the second book? What, do you, what are you going to call that? Maybe, the last, last drop? We joke about that all the time. Maybe you house. could go in reverse and you could call it <laughs> the second to last second to drop. Last drop. <laughs> think about it. So, so you titling. could do a prequel. <laughs> yeah, you could do two prequels to have like the third to last. Yeah, perfect. Worked myself into a corner with mm. that, that particular title. But as an author, I'm sure you'll be able to write yourself yeah. out. Write your way out. Now, why sci-fi? Why not other genres? Why does this captivate you? Um, I think. Well, I grew up watching science fiction a lot of like Star Wars, Star Trek, um, those kind of shows, and I think that my background is very pulling from that I really like the sci-fi aspect of being able to create universes and worlds that use different technology that we might potentially have later in life so I like that aspect of world building and coming up with different things yes how do you feel about the booterverse it is I love that oh love that term Mm, me too it's music to my ears How'd you come up with that one? Well, I used myself as a sounding board. I used myself as a starting point, And I used myself as basically the impetus to get it off the ground. And there you go. My last name is Booterball. People call okay. me the Booter. And so with the Booterverse, it basically is a whole universe based on me. Perfect. It is, in fact, perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to debate you on that point. Who wouldn't want their own universe? I know, right? <laughs> and I am creating my own. Every day I wake up and say, uh, hmm, Booterverse. <laughs> Ah, so great. Now, the universes you create, lovely, why teen angst? Why did you go the teen route, teen romance, sci-fi route? I think it's because I teach them. Mm. Um, It's so, eighth eighth grade is, seventh and eighth grade is that kind of impetus of teen angst right there. Like that whole change and going to high school and falling in love and just trying to make the right decisions. Um, And I just teaching them kind of felt right to be able to teach a genre that 
uh, or teach a, what do you want to call it, like a time period that they would relate to. Do you find that the teens today can relate to this sort of genre? Do you find Science that, fiction? To science fiction, yeah. Do you feel um, that they... I think so. I think because of all the technology that we have around us with the new cell phone developments and computer developments and um, different technology that they're literally creating themselves um, and different school programs that offer the robotics and, and different things. I think that technology is where we're headed. So science fiction is kind of built out of that whole genre. Absolutely. And they're plugged in. Right. I mean, everywhere, every yeah. day, all day, they're plugged in. Now, you have actually written a book called Unplugged, right? Yes. Where remotely people are unplugged. Remotely unplugged. Um, would you like to be, like, how could I be, like, plugged in, like, not remote? Like, could somebody just plug me in? Or, like, why remotely plugged in? Because I feel like if I'm going to get plugged in somewhere, I want that to be, like, I want to feel the being plugged in, you know. Okay. I want so, that experience. So, remotely unplugged is a, it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying. Because I know. everybody is already plugged in, and they don't really know how or how they got plugged in in the first place or why, et cetera. Um, but... The idea behind this is the whole story takes place with a, a handful of people that don't really fit the mold. They don't really like the idea of having all of that technology literally in your brain all the time, like making all of those decisions for you. What color shoes are you going to wear? Like when I'm having an interaction with you, um, if there's an awkward moment, having something in your head giving you sentence starters to fix, like to fill in those gaps and make it less awkward. I like um, awkward moments, <laughs> Andrea. I love them so much. <laughs> Why would you want to? Why would you want? Why would you want to write those out of existence? Those are amazing. So anyway, <laughs> move on from that awkward moment. Was that um, an awkward moment? Slightly, oh. <laughs> only slightly. For for you? Yes. I was fine. I was fine. <laughs> but um, the, it takes that idea of a handful of people don't really fit in, and removing them from that situation and re remotely unplugging them. And what happens in the book is they're actually like this not to give too many spoilers away, but it's a um, survival story between the people that are have unplugged them. Um, basically, those that are getting unplugged are being sent to a serial killer to just be murdered. So it's very much a survival thriller suspense. Um, now, I, I will say this. My desire to be on sci-fi cover art, I don't think I would want to portray a serial killer right off the bat, though. Yeah. But do you think I could pull that off, though? That look? I, don't, I don't know. How creepy can your eyes get? I have lovely eyes. I can't. I'm not. They're not creepy. Maybe a bit sinister, but not creepy. Yeah, I, I don't see creepy sinister. So no. I, I don't know if you could pull serial killer off. Mm, I'll work on it. Yeah, maybe teen angst. Oh, teen <laughs> angst. Oh, I'm far from a teenager, but I still look like I'm 25. I'll tell people that because they need to know. Now, speaking of teen angst, you, you've, you've got. Have you been knighted for sainthood for teaching middle schoolers? I should be. You should be. <laughs> that that is my thought. You definitely. I, I don't be. know if I would would want to be knighted or have a medal. Mm, maybe both. Maybe both. Because I, I think yeah. if you are knighted, you also get a medal. Yes. I think so. Okay. I think that's how it works. All right. Well, Andrea, at this part of the show, we give you, our guest, the opportunity to say whatever you want, carte blanche, the microphone is yours, an open mic, if you will, to address the Booterverse, the listeners, the wonderful 12 people that listen in. Oh, it's 13 now. 13 listeners <laughs> who, who listen into the podcast. Um, well... I don't know. What would you want to know? Um, Whatever you want to say. Um, I love questions. So, like, if you follow me on Facebook or you find me on Twitter, the best thing for me is to be able to give back and help other people throughout the process, whether it's the process of writing or 
um, anything artwork wise because I'm a freelance illustrator on the side as well so pretty much I just like that interaction between people whether it's cyber or you know face to face um, and I'm always help you know always here to help basically so kind of give back to the community I guess I love that Andrea Perno willing to give back to the community now the question is can you do an illustration of me and will I be on your next sci-fi books cover that's suppose, the question I suppose it could mm. um, we'd have to think of a book for you mm. Booter in Space <laughs> The Booter Chronicles okay Life with Booter <laughs> I could be in a boat with a tiger uh, okay right Life with pie. <laughs> yeah. wait has that yes, wait that's already been, been done, done? it's oh. been done <laughs> well we'll think about it well, Andrea Perno, thank you so much for being on the show, and we'll be right back right after this. Buddha. Today's episode of The Buddhaverse is brought to you by Cocktail Weenies. Cocktail Weenies. Because no food on earth is more awkward than one that has the word cocktail and weenies in the same sentence. Buddha. And now for Buddha thoughts. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Roy G. Biv was your friend. Well, he certainly wasn't mine. And what is it with the man peddling pastels? I mean, aren't pastels just colors that aren't trying hard enough? Fine, you can go ahead and spin your color wheel, but for me, I'm going to take a lesson from good old Bob Ross. Grow an afro, get a painter's palette, and just mix whatever the heck you want. After all, isn't life just about happy little accidents? Now I know what you're thinking. Roy G. Biv was a kind guy who just got his colors a little mixed up. No, my friends, a man who was supposed to help you remember colors has led you astray. Since when has indigo ever been an actual color? No, there's just blue and purple. Indigo is nothing but a myth, and don't let them tell you anything different. So we here at the Booterverse recognize all six basic colors, but indigo has got to go. And that's been it for Booter Thoughts. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to send a special thanks to author Andrea Perno for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away. Boop. Boop.